Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Commercial with a state podcast. Back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Wright. And I'm your other host, at least for now, Matt Scalina. At least for now and forever. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I'm giving my resignation after after we finish this intro. Please please don't. Please don't. (laughs) One thing we, we have to start off with on a serious note, I think it's important that people understand that we record these episodes about a week in advance before they come out. And our episode that came out this past week with Connor Braid We had made some joking comments about the heat in BC, especially referring to Lytton. Those comments and jokes were made prior to the unspeakable tragedy that came out with the town burning down. So we just want to make sure everyone understands that, that those comments were not made after the fact and in no way were they ever derogatory towards Lytton. And it's fair to say that I think everyone's hearts and uh, thoughts and prayers are with the people of Lytton and the unthinkable tragedy they're going through. Absolutely. Yeah. Good to point that out. I forgot we even said anything about that, but no, it's worth noting for sure. Uh, but who, who do we have uh, on the show this week, Corey? Today we have Mitch Jarvie, who is the Director, Sales Operations and Acquisitions at Addy. And for the people that don't know what Addy is, Addy is a crowdsourcing platform that allows people to buy shares in commercial buildings through a limited partnership for as little as $1. It's kind of incredible, right? This is such a great conversation and there's so many interesting aspects to it, but it's interesting how they've kind of coupled the idea of building wealth through real estate and kind of what we talk about all the time with democratizing the process, building community involvement in real estate. It's It's a really interesting model. I think they're one of two companies in Canada, but it's such such a great... Great company, and this is such a great conversation. And they, they, they open up that platform and give people the ability to invest in commercial real estate. Maybe that otherwise they may not have that same opportunity, right? So it's a great opportunity to enter into the marketplace through this program they have. And I think it really makes you rethink when you see the McDonald's commercials for $1 soft drinks all summer. It's $1 <laughs> for soft drinks, or maybe I can even buy the building you're in McDonald's <laughs> if Addy goes after it <laughs> for the same price. That, that, that's it for sure. <laughs> But what do we have before we cut to our talk with Mitch Jarvie? I'm curious to hear how this property, this project's going in in Langford. You know what? Outstanding. Outstanding. We officially launched last week. I don't have the exact number, but I think we're hovering, give or take, somewhere between 35 and 40% either already sold or under contract already in the first five to 10 days. Wow. Wow, that's uh, that's incredible. And Corey, I know you're going to Whistler. Anything else exciting uh, in the coming weeks before uh, we cut? Well, you know, I took my two boys uh, to Victoria last week for the long weekend for the first sort of ever vacation they've been on. We were going to go to Disneyland prior to COVID, and obviously yeah. that didn't come to fruition. Yeah. So this was our first official trip with our almost six and almost four-year-old. I think it's probably our last trip for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Better enjoy, boys. <laughs> Didn't really go as planned. And my oldest guy who's six wants to move to Victoria. Like he's asking if we can move there. I'd explain to him, 
that we don't go to the museum and go to the pool twice a day <laughs> when you live here. This is just like a vacation. So, so it was, uh, it was very, very interesting to say the least. Yourself, how did the, uh, did the wife come home on Monday? Oh yeah. Did she come home? She, she did. did. You she know did. what? Okay. And actually it was of course a very busy weekend with work. So my kid got the crash course in, uh, you know, now she's been to real estate inspections, a variety of different showings and, uh, you know, she hates me a little bit more. Yeah. So the CIFA operation you ran over the weekend, does it, did it, you bring the little one to the open house? And she was at a lot of different uh, real estate involved yeah, events yeah. and no, it went well. She's gotten a lot better with games on my phone. It's her first unlicensed <laughs> position at a real estate firm. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But yeah, I think maybe we should, you know, without further ado, this is actually a, a quite a long conversation, but yeah. there is, before we talk with Mitch, there's at least one sponsor for this episode. Al and the team over there at Impact Commercial. This episode is sponsored by Impact Commercial Group with over 50 years of lending experience. For all your commercial lending needs, please visit them at impactcommercial.ca. Well, without further ado, let's talk to Mitch Jarvie over at Addy. Enjoy, guys. All right, we're here with Mitch Jarvie, who is the Director of Sales Operations and Acquisitions for Addy. Mitch, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Great. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're doing very well, Mitch. Thanks so much for your time. Maybe can we start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. How much time do I have? <laughs> as, much, be, yeah. as much time as you got. <laughs> well, I am a seasoned vet in commercial sales. I'm... Uh, out of high school, I uh, created a website. Now I'm dating myself back in 2000, 2001. That went by the uh, the website FordHarley.com. And what it was was basically a online enthusiast website that celebrated and allowed for community involvement of owners of the Harley-Davidson F-150 pickup truck. This sort of got a lot of recognition from Ford Motor Company and, and kind of brought me on as a, as a consultant in the early days of advocacy of consumers and how influencing in the digital age directly impacted sales. During that, I also did my university studies and worked for a couple of amazing SaaS companies in the Vancouver area. Before going into the travel world, I spent 10 years there and as a result of Interesting book that I read. It kind of taught me a little bit about setting up a boardroom type of feel for your family board meetings. But one of the key takeaways I got from that was how you only have 18 summers with your kids. And at the time, my children were three and one. And I realized that, well, I've already lost three due to being a traveling salesman. So I uh, left my role, took a two year sabbatical, and spent those two summers traveling around Pacific Northwest, and then obviously during COVID through through just the British Columbia. And it kind of gave me this opportunity to, to really realize how if you're not doing what you love, you're not necessarily enjoying life. And there's a few things that I learned along the way about community, about opportunities that certain people in the world have versus those that don't. Uh, I've always benefited from real estate in the sense of owning my own home at a young age and seeing the appreciation of its value and being able to work my way through the Vancouver real estate market. But I wasn't uh, aware about anything in the commercial space and I was always intrigued. And so I found my way through to trying to figure out a way that my sales experience 
my technology experience to get me into a role that was sort of near and dear to my heart and was breaking down barriers for the average investor to get into opportunities that they necessarily wouldn't have access to. And in a long about way, that got me into uh, into my current role here with, with Addy. So Mitch, it sounds like there's no like and or dichotomy to this question, but I'll put it to you anyway. Do you see yourself primarily as a, a real estate guy or do you see yourself as a technology disruptor guy and, and you see real estate as an area that is ripe for disruption? Yeah, I would say that I am a real estate guy. I think my skills have pivoted quite well into you know, just the general commercial real estate game. I understand it's a very tight network and it's one that's very interesting to get into, but I'm not a real estate guy by trade, but I think I'm, I'm slowly getting there. I think if you look back at you know some of the biggest disruptors that we've ever come across, Uber, Square, none of these guys were professional drivers or in the banking system. Uh, these were individuals that felt that they saw a void that was able to, you know, I'll use Square as an example. I'm sure you guys are all familiar with Square, the, yeah. the credit card. They asked themselves, how come the guys at the farmer's market can't accept credit cards? Why is that a thing? Is that because the big banks don't allow them to do it? They weren't financial individuals. So they, they came up with Square, and we all know sort of the story behind behind them. Um, I think that's just sort of the, we're a bunch of geeks here at Addy, a bunch of computer geeks, and, and we see this need for democratizing real estate as using software as a platform to allow that to, to occur. And obviously there's learnings along the way and we're relying heavily on individuals such as yourselves and other sponsors and general partners and developers that are professionals to identify what we're doing and see that that's in alignment with their vision or their goals or their mantra or whatever it is that fits within their business and sees us as an amazing way to generate capital for their projects. Let's talk about that. What is Addy? I know there's a lot of chatter out there about <laughs> it now, so let, let's talk about that. What is Addy? What is the Addy platform? <laughs> yeah, great question. I'll start with our mission. Our mission is to enable every human to be a homeowner, and it's pretty provocative. It's, it means a lot of different things to different people. As a Gen Z or millennial, that may mean owning real estate that isn't necessarily your home at the moment, but it's something that builds up to your home. For some of the older generation, being a homeowner can mean different things. So it's it's very provocative and it's and it's supposed to be because we feel that as we move through this journey, we will be able to identify what that means to our customers day one and maybe you know 10 years from now. But in a nutshell, what we do is we are simply providing opportunity for those who've never had opportunity before to invest in real estate across Canada with as little as a dollar and up to $1,500. And if you think back at, you know, I think that the best way to explain it in layman's terms is we're all familiar with iTunes, Yes. right? iTunes came into the market and they said, you know what, we're going to reinvent the way people buy music. And people said, nope, no, you're not. I want to buy an album. I want to have a physical CD and all this sort of thing. So if you think and you look at nothing against a REIT, REITs are great. But if you look at a REIT, I think that's similar to 
an album. You know, you buy a classical album, a hip hop album, rock and roll. There's maybe four or five good songs on there. You pay $14 for and the rest just sort of come with it. And it's sort of, you know, you kind of accepted it at the time as there's 10 songs on there that are absolute shit, but I like the other ones and that's the package deal. I guess iTunes came along and said, you know what? Spend that $14 on 14 songs, create your own playlist and you're going to be a better consumer because of it. So what Addy is doing is very similar. I think in the sense that you can now create your own playlist. I want a commercial real estate building in Vancouver I want a RV resort and campground in Ontario. I would like a 57-unit apartment building in Kimberley, BC. They all have different exit strategies. They all have different returns. But now I'm empowerment of creating what I feel is my ultimate real estate playlist. Well, I think Matt might argue that a little bit because last time I heard he loved all 14 songs on his Backstreet Boy album. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Backstreet's back, baby. (laughs) I didn't know they left. I've had had them on my iTunes ever since. (laughs) So, Mitch, there's a couple interesting things here. I feel like especially with the run-up in real estate prices over the last, say, decade where you're either lucky enough to be a homeowner or an investor, but if you're not, most people are on the outside looking in, right? It's like an increasingly a more exclusive club, especially with down payments. So it's such an interesting interesting model. And, you know, I think it's such a a great idea, but can you talk a little bit more about how it works in the sense that, you know, I like the idea of owning a 57 multifamily building in Kimberley. I love the idea of owning an RV park in Ontario, but if I'm, let's say a 25 year old without any real estate experience, how do you go about educating people? And can you talk a little bit more about the information provided up front in terms of, you know, pro formas? Uh, like, how are people making kind of educated decisions on what they're buying? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's a tough balance between providing education without providing advice, right? Because at the end of the day, we're, we are trying to make sure that we follow all uh, securities law and also ensure that everyone has much information to make an educated decision on their investment without us saying this is a great investment, that it makes any sense. So I'll just preface that. So there's a lot of information, education that we provide that is part of our entire due diligence process with any of our sponsors or general partners. So we just step back. I guess the one thing that we realize is in order to provide immediate accessibility, and that's ultimately what we're trying to do, it's for every Canadian, is that typically these types of deals were only for the wealthy, right? So exactly what you said, there's large transactions happening between either a large organization or a wealthy individual to another organization or wealthy individual. These transactions typically, as you guys know, they happen off market. They occur without necessarily any normal retail investor or community member involvement. They don't necessarily know anything about it. And there's obviously massive amounts of risk that occur, and, and the risk comes from you know the financial part, and that's why we have in the marketplace, as you guys know, accredited investors. We have institutional investors. Um, so all we're trying to do is put in another avenue of capital that comes from the retail space, and we have to make sure that every one of the properties that we bring onto the platform has gone through a very rigorous, I guess, due diligence process, because we understand that. 
if we have one bad deal on the platform, it's going to reflect poorly on some of the others as well. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that we look at is, you know, did the deal come from a trusted source or someone we've aligned with? And that's simply just asking ourselves, okay, like, have we done work with this person or this organization? And are they going out of their way to help us? We don't want the individual or the developer that says, I need capital. I need your money. Because that's typically not a good sign. Uh, We want the people that don't want Addy Capital, but they're willing to slice out another LP unit for us to help enable and empower the crowd. That's typically where we'll start. You know, as a sponsor who's looking to do more deals with us in the future, can we align with them with our mission and our vision? Or is it simply just a one-off? And then we just ask ourselves, you know, does this story of the seller add up, you know, like real estate is always available to maximize returns. You know, it may seem like that, but it's deals can occur for a number of reasons, you know, partnership disputes, people looking for payouts, people looking for liquidity deals because they're in over their head, divorces, corporation breakups, you know, the list goes on and on. So if we can't answer the question, why is there a need for this capital? then or we don't move on and look for you know the next sort of step. And then from there, we, we kind of go through another three or four steps, which is looking at you know what sort of value does uh, a crowd investing platform bring to that opportunity. So I'll give you an example. We have a few theories, a few hypotheses of how the Addy platform can help with general partners sort of moving forward with opportunities that they may not necessarily have. So Say, for example, you're trying to get permits on a new, you know, Skyrise condo. And you got a lot, I don't know if you guys are familiar with cave people. This seems to be the, the going trend now. You know, before you had NIMBY, but now you got cave, which are citizens against virtually everything. Um, <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll show up at city council and they'll say, there's no way you're going to densify my backyard. You're going to increase property taxes, you're going to increase rent, you're going to do all these sort of things, which I think has its own merit. And those types of conversations still need to be had at city council level. But what if Addy were to come in and say, you know, instead of being cave people, what if you can have a financial investment in this development itself? And we can get a thousand people in the community of Chilliwack to help build and densify a purpose-built rental building specifically for your neighborhood. That's the other way we look at it. What's the capital raise from Addy going to do to assist? And that's just one of the hypotheses that we've sort of worked on. There's lots of others, like with the RV resort. You know, if you're a part owner and you're going camping, where do you think you're going to go camping? Probably going to go camping at the place that you own if you're in the neighborhood, right? So you're driving business. You're driving this sense of pride of ownership to your establishments. And this was really evident with the Starbucks that we first launched in Chilliwack last year. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar, but it was our first building after we did our proof of concept on Trout Lake. And it was a purpose-built lease for Starbucks Canada. It's a drive-through. It's a beautiful unit in Chilliwack, BC. We had over, I think, 600 Canadians invest in that property, but 100 of them were from Chilliwack. And it's exciting to see like the, the communal change and just some of the societal change that occurs 
when you allow 100 people that live in the community to invest in a building that's leased by Starbucks. It's just, it's a beautiful thing to see moms taking their kids through a drive-through, teaching them about how I'm paying for your baby Chino, which is then going to Starbucks, who's then paying us rent, which then comes back to me as a quarterly distribution to then go back and buy you another coffee. And it's just like this financial education at a young age that we're building. It's just another offshoot of some of the success that we're seeing with allowing, you know, the 99% to invest in these deals. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, those 100 residents of Chilliwack, when they need a coffee, what Starbucks do you think they're going to? Yeah, that makes sense. They're not going to the one that's two minutes away. They're going to the one that they own five minutes. So it's just, it's been really cool to see. So that's the capital side. One question that, so I think to, to give our listeners there. So are yeah. you guys selling shares in this, whether it be a corporation or an LP referring to a limited partnership? What are, yeah. what are people buying? And then how is that sort of implemented in? Are you buying into a limited partnership in a partnership capacity? Or like the Starbucks project there, are you buying the building outright through a, a corporation or an LP or however you're doing that? Yeah, great, great question. So the very first property that we did on Trout Lake, we were the general partner. We bought the building outright. We managed it outright. It was more of a proof of concept to say, will random Canadians who know nothing of each other purchase a property online? And you know the answer was yes. But the one thing that we learned from there is that we didn't want to be the general partner. It's uh, too time-consuming. You know, you're having to deal with tenancy. You're having to deal with the upkeep, everything to go along with it, which would take away from our main goal, and that is providing ultimate access to as many opportunities as possible. So the, the big learner from that was we don't want to be the general partner. We want to be the limited partner. So what we do is we set up a separate corporation for every investment that we do. That corporation acquires the limited partnership units. And then we sell shares into that corporation at a dollar each. So if we buy an LP at uh, half a mil, then there's 500,000 shares in that corporation that owns that LP. And the great thing is that we were able to do all of this with you know all the technology and the software that we've built. And you know if you ever get a chance to talk to Michael Stevenson or Stephen Jagger, who are the co-founders of the business, they really talk really well about you know some of the things that they've had to overcome to reduce the cost of our issuance sizes to make them actually attainable for Canadians to invest in. So I think that first one that they did was, you know, over a five-year term to manage that issuance was something close to $250,000. Right now, through automation and technology, we have able to reduce that down to $85,000 over a five-year term. So the great thing is, is that by us being able to subsidize all of these issuances, we are ensuring that every dollar that an investor makes is a dollar passed on directly to the project. There's no lifts, there's no hurdles, there's no fees, there's no no nothing, which is, I think, the biggest differentiator of what we're, we're doing. But yes, in a nutshell, we're buying small LP units across Canada and allowing for thousands of Canadians to invest into those that typically would be taken up by a, a credit investor or, you know, an institutional money. So if I understand the transition from the first property, the Trout Lake property to now, it sounds mm-hmm. like Addy's kind of moved, if I understand, towards working with partners in the industry to find 
projects and have partners in the industry manage the projects and your focus has become more exclusively on raising the the capital for these projects. That's correct. Yeah. So yeah, and, and I think the key there is is, you know, finding opportunities that are class A that typically would only be available from an institutional perspective and providing it to the crowd. Do you have team members that are just looking for deals? Like how are you guys finding can you speak a little bit more about how you're finding, you know, the opportunities and, and what those opportunities look like? Yeah, of course. So as we start to get a little bit more momentum, we're actually finding that a lot of the deal flow is starting to come into our hands. And people are realizing that, you know, I think that getting Addy Capital comes with a little bit more power than any other capital. So I don't know if you guys have looked, but our, our board of directors and our advisors is, is a very, very strong uh, team. Um, Steve Evans, who I'm not sure if you, you guys are aware of or not, he founded Pirate, the, uh, the REIT back in 2007, uh, sold the Blackstone for I think close to $4 billion in 2018. He's been very instrumental in assisting us with some of our earlier deals. And then from there, it's more of a, a self-governing vetting system. So a general partner or developer can't actually come and talk to us unless the previous general partner that's worked with us has vouched for them. So we're trying to allow them to manage themselves. You know, we're allowing them to say, I vouch for this person. Uh, I vouch for this organization. We've done deals together. We feel that the Addy Capital would work very well for that, that situation. And then we go through that whole due diligence process uh, with them specifically, and then on their specific deals. So the first couple of ones that we've done have been learning experiences with us. The Kimberly project was, I think, our third or fourth general partner that we worked with. Uh, we've just formed another great relationship with an organ investment management firm out in Ontario. So, you know, I think it's, it's really starting to develop on its own, and, and they're actually managing themselves because they understand that if they allow another developer or general partner to come in and it messes up or there's some sort of miscommunication or the deal doesn't work out, that it looks poorly on them and they don't want that to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, just thinking about kind of two kind of nuts and bolts questions here. If I'm, you know, have a thousand bucks and I'm interested mm -hmm. in buying into one of the projects, what kind of information, like in terms of pro formas and that type of stuff, what kind of information is provided? And then looking at that Kimberly deal specifically, like what kind of timelines are we looking at? Are there dividend payouts? Is there a certain time that my money's tied up? Can we talk about, I know every project sounds like it's a little different, but, um, you know, maybe using one of, one of the deals you've done as an example in terms of what a, what a potential investor can expect. Matt's asking for a friend in case you're wondering. <laughs> <laughs> and my friend actually only has $800. <laughs> Yeah, so, so great, great questions. And I think the key here is that, you know, the one thing that we're trying to achieve is, is we're not necessarily trying to sell out these issuances quickly to 20 different people. We're trying to get as many Canadians involved as possible. And that's why we have that $1,500 self-imposed cap per property. You know, if we just allowed people to come and throw 10 grand in or 5 grand in or 50 grand in, we'd quickly sell out of that issuance. Um, if I look at 
specifically, we can look at, uh, I think the last one, uh, depending on airing of this, but I can pick one is one West Avenue in, in, in Hamilton, Ontario, which is a, a beautiful three-story mixed-use brick and beam office and retail space right in the heart of downtown Hamilton. It was actually one of the reasons why we chose this one is we're trying to get some creativity and we're trying to really find historical pieces of real estate or interesting pieces of real estate to make that ownership feeling a lot more powerful. So that was evident with Starbucks. This is evident with this One West, for example. It was actually the home of what became the first Canadian tire, which I think at the time was called Hamilton Tire or something along those lines. It's got a beautiful mural on it, but enough about the building. It was the four-year term. So it's a mixed-use retail office space. Our capital in that building is locked in for four years. We have an estimated IRR, so an internal rate of return for your listeners, of 20.9% based off of the building becoming fully finished its renovation and becoming realized with uh, full tenancy. All of that information is available as an Addy member when the uh, investments launch. You can go in, you can have access to the pro forma, you can have access to the appraisals, the building condition reports, pretty much anything that was used during the acquisition stage of the building is available as part of your own due diligence to decide if you'd like to invest in that property or not. On top of that, all of our buildings come with a offering memorandum. And in that is the private offering of the securities to which you're buying into to own part of the of the building. And then there we outline all the uh, risks that are involved in, in the investment, as well as anything that was associated to the market, how much is being raised, what the money is being used for, what the flow of funds looks like from us, for, from our members to us, to the general partner and everything in between to allow for our members to make an informed decision. So with with a project like that, when the building reaches or, you know, stabilized income, are you guys then selling the projects at that point? That's how the investors are getting the return? Or is Addy sort of refinancing the project using the capital on the stabilized income you know, through the new appraisal to buy out the investors? How do they exit, say, like on that four-year yeah. scenario? So each offering memorandum will outline the exit strategy. Each one is different. Some are on a refi, some are on a sale. Some are longer term and pay quarterly distributions from rental with an expectation that the building will be sold at whatever valuation based off of the historical data at a five, seven, 10 year mark. Um, so each one is actually a little bit different. And that's why we have different returns. We have some as low as a three and a half and some up to to 20%. It just depends on the risk level as well as the asset type. In terms of how how people can invest, I'm guessing somebody out there is thinking, you know, RSP, TFSA, Holdco, are any of those possible in terms of investing or is it strictly kind of, you know, like buying crypto or something like that where you have to just use money well, that you have in your account? <laughs> Is this the same friend you yeah, were asking yeah. the last question for, Matt, or is this a different friend now? Yeah, different friend. This is a different friend. Okay. <laughs> you got you got some interesting friends. Um, All their I, mindsets I are aligned. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't put this in any similar bucket to crypto. Crypto doesn't have any sort of tangible uh, underlining um, asset attached to it where 
real estate uh, does. It's something you can touch, you can feel, you can go and take pictures of it, you can you can watch the hole being dug and, and the concrete laid. Right. Um, no, no so it, sorry. It, just it, to be just to be clear on my end, I, I was meaning yeah. more like that. It, you know, in an RSP, you can't buy. A Cryptocurrency, as right. far as I understand, you can't you know, buy yeah. a coin after a dog in your portfolio. There, it doesn't, 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 you can't do that. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to uh, make any sort of linkage to the asset class. No, no, not at all. Elon, Elon Musk is cringing uh, right now. <laughs> at this time, and that's a great question. It's something that we're definitely looking into. We haven't been provided one hundred percent certainty that every sort of trans, every one of our transactions would be. Eligible for a you know a tax shelter in a in a in a in a registered fund, but at this time the answer is no. But it is something that we are we do have on our roadmap for looking to see how to make that attainable. So how often is Addy launching this opportunity? Is it kind of a case by case where properties are brought forward and it hits all the criteria? So let's take this out there, or is it kind of we launch one? Every 60 days, every quarter, do you have an internal mandate or something of how often these opportunities do exist for outside investors? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if you look sort of historically in the first six months of this calendar year, we had launched three properties. In the last 35 days, we've launched an additional three. So we're really starting to ramp up our first couple issuances that went live took anywhere from two, three, I think one even took close to a month to be fully funded. Um, and that's just a case of people recognizing what we were doing, getting new member signups and that sort of thing. What we found is that now our membership base can consume on average about $30,000 an hour. So the last two properties that we put on, I guess, depending on when this, when you guys are putting this out, but the, the one sold out in eight hours, the other one sold out in 12. So we understand that we have to be a little bit quicker to get properties up, or we're looking to increase our LP units to allow for the proper consumption from our membership. So the goal for the remainder of this year is we're going to be doing two to three per month. Wow, that's great. Now, when you guys are doing this, are you guys, I guess, A, from an investor standpoint, have you ever launched a project that you haven't reached your funding goal, which sounds like that hasn't happened yet? And B, are you funding or are these opportunities available during your sort of due diligence or your conditions period that if you don't hit your target, you're not going forward with the deal? Or are you guys going firm on properties, then taking them to the investor market? Yeah, these are great questions, guys. And uh, you're making it sound like maybe I, I pre preloaded the questions in for some great answers. <laughs> well, but. I'm just I know Matt's got lots of friends that are going to ask the same questions, so I thought I'd just cut them off. <laughs> <laughs> no, these are good. I don't want to talk about crypto. Yeah, okay. um, I'm currently going to market uh, with those that are looking for capital raises with two products. The first one is a guaranteed funding product. So I can go to the table and say, look, guys, like, this, I, I like what I see, right? You know, we're past the due diligence phase. Now let's look at what we're actually trying to achieve here from a capital raise. And if they say, okay, I need $750,000 or a million dollars. Uh, 500,000, whatever the number is, is not, not important. We have a guaranteed uh, capital product. I can say, okay, I'll guarantee that to you. I'll give that to you right now. Maybe your funding timeline is a bit a bit short, right? Maybe it's two, three weeks out and, and we won't be able to put, wrap up the marketing campaign and get everything sort of going in time and get our OM written to achieve that, that timeline. Um, however, 
there is no opportunity for future funding if it's a huge success or whatever the case may be. So we will actually fund that and then we'll reimburse those funds back into the platform once it's gone live on the market. On the flip side to that, what I'm finding a great success is a lot of our general partners are saying, you know what? Let my building, let my due diligence, let my returns, let my marketing partnership with you do the talking and you guys can have up to a maximum of X amount of dollars. If we fall short after five days, maybe it's not getting momentum, we'll cut it off. That's how we'll write our subscription agreement and we're good to go. So we're actually getting a lot of support from the from the general partners who feel, you know what, like I said, we don't need your capital. We just want to be part of this movement. We want to empower. I need a thousand local Canadians to help support my my business. Um, I want to do this from a from a B Corp standpoint. There's tons of different reasons why someone would want to do it. And that's uh, I think what what's great is these guys are finding that with our consumption rate of capital, they don't necessarily have to give us detailed number that'll just give us a cap so i got, I got a two-part question here for you so okay what is the financial capacity of addy whether it be coming in as an lp or the maybe value of a building that you're looking at is there a minimum like we don't look at anything less than three million but 60 million is a little too far for us at this point and then i guess a follow-up question to that is is um is, is there a desired areas that you guys are focusing in on that you either had success in or there's areas that you're looking to gain success in that is sort of on your targets internally there that investors can sort of, you know, I live in Port Moody or I live in Coquitlam. This is what, I mean, I'm looking for something in here and that's sort of on your target space. Yeah. Okay. Good. So at this, at this moment, we currently are specializing in what I'd say that the 5 million to 50 million total deal size. Deals of that size are typically out of reach Accredited investors, you know, depending on your LP size, but yeah. they're also potentially, you know, not big enough for large institutional funding. And it's sort of that sweet spot where you have some really great developers, you have some really great general partners that we can work with. With that being said, we don't want to have the largest LP, right? If we're looking at something, we, we want to be maybe five to 10% of the total value, maybe even less, depending on the LP size unit. So we don't want to go in as the majority stakeholder. We just want to be, you know, the the little LP that sits back and says, you know, look what we can do. We can, you know, we're we're enabling all these these Canadians. The second part to that question is it's sort of driven by membership, to be honest with you. You know, we're getting a lot of requests for we want more Vancouver, we want more Toronto. Um, and I think that is a true an indication of just how how poorly equipped those two markets are to support first-time home buyers, to support young millennials, the you know Gen Zs coming out of school or university and starting to think about what it is that they want to do. So there's a real good target. I guess there's also this conception that those are the, the locations that maybe produce the greatest results due to you know increase in property value. But it's actually these smaller markets that I think we're finding the better opportunities, places like Kimberly, Mission, Hamilton, the RV Resort in Northern Ontario, Calgary, we did a huge business park there. So I think it's just sort of a mix. And I'll go back to sort of, you know, creating your playlist. We're not necessarily saying that this deal is better than this deal. It's up to the members to decide if that risk profile or that exit term or that return 
fits along with their with their investment profile. You know, we're not here to get rich quick. We're not a uh, YOLO on GameStop or anything like that. Mm-hmm. We're a get rich flow and build your investments, learn about your exits, get your distributions, and then when you get the, those returns back, you have the opportunity to withdraw it or reinvest it. So if you think about it, if you're you know early 20s, you want to invest $200 into 10 properties every year for the next five years, that's going to look pretty awesome by the time you're ready to buy your first house. But it does seem like there's an interesting balance that you guys are kind of dealing with here between what, you know, general investors that you're engaging are interested in, like the Vancouver, Toronto, versus the stellar opportunities that you're finding, right? It sounds like there's a bit of tension there. And I guess I'm wondering, is the primary goal, and you said not to get rich quick, but to to find the best opportunities for investors, or is it to put as many different investment opportunities out there for potential investors and ones that will appeal to them based on, you know, where they live or or what they perceive as good value. Yeah, I think I think it really comes down to we have to continue down this pathway and then take the learnings and then make those decisions future uh, in our future sort of acquisitions. Uh, like for example, we haven't done a property in Edmonton yet. We haven't done anything in in Ottawa or Kelowna, Prince George, there's so many different types of markets and different types of assets in those markets. So the opportunities are really, they're endless. Um, and at this moment, no one has said, has come to us as, as a member and said, I will never invest in a mixed use apartment building or a mixed use commercial building in downtown Winnipeg. So until someone says that, then I think that's not necessarily, it's still an open opportunity until we get those, those metrics. Well, if you need a scout on the ground, Matt's going to Winnipeg <laughs> in a couple of weeks. So he can, he can probably report back to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, take a quick gander for us. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be in touch. Mitch. <laughs> you know, maybe as a final question, I know we've definitely taken up more time than, than was our intention here. You know, you've talked a lot about membership I'm wondering, you know, I guess two part is membership like literally creating an account? Is there a fee involved in membership? Can I become a member without actually investing and start just monitoring? What does that look like? And then secondly, I think somebody out there's got to be wondering, you know, in a lot of ways it sounds like you guys are doing God's work, but how does Addy make money? Great questions. You always come with the the one two punch. Eh? You've got to make me remember the first question <laughs> all, all, all while not forgetting the second. Stream, stream well, 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 now he's taking two friends' questions <laughs> yeah. and squishing them into one. <laughs> and here's question two A and B. Um, okay, so so if I remember it correctly, your membership membership was, is first. Membership membership. Yeah. So this is the beautiful thing about Addy, and I think it's one of the things that it's all about scalability, and it's all about our ability to ensure that you're not losing as a member or as an investor, you're not losing money just for the sake of doing the investment. Uh, so we're really trying to reinvent this space and it's, it's strictly a membership based experience. So if you think about Amazon prime or even Costco, you have an annual membership that provides you access to something that you not normally wouldn't. So if you think of Costco, I have a membership, now I have access 
to 87 gallons of oil, right? I don't necessarily need that, but I have access to it as well as rotisserie chicken and cheap hot dogs. I was just going to so, say, does Addy offer like a <laughs> Polish hot dog with a Sprite for $1.50? <laughs> so for you become a user, we call that, uh, you know, you can come in, you can become an Addy user. Uh, you can sign up as simple as your email address and information name, that sort of thing. You can look at previous investments, read the offering memorandum, see what the investment was all about, what the exit strategies were, you can get up to speed on everything that we're doing. We host a bunch of events online, soon to be offline, to get that understanding of what we're all about. And then when you're ready maybe to make your first investment, you can purchase a $25 annual membership. And that, as a charter member, gives you access to every investment that we put on the platform. And you can invest $1 or fifteen, anywhere up to $1,500 per property. Second part of your question, how do we make money? Well, it's all through membership fees. So, you know, our goal is to hit uh, 50,000 members by the end of this year. Uh, we're getting really close to that number. And that is our revenue stream at the moment. Mitch, that sounds great. We know we, we've taken up so much of your time and we're so glad to, to, to join us here. We have a quick, lighthearted, what we call the MLG six-pack. We ask you quick, six lighthearted questions so our listeners get to know a little bit more about you outside of the office. Do you have time for about another five minutes to stick with us? Of course, yes. As long as they're one each, not double parts. <laughs> yeah, well, well, Matt's friends have all left the room. So the MLG six-pack is brought to you by McKinnis Law Group. For all your commercial legal needs, whether it be commercial closings or leases, please visit them at mlglaw.ca. All right, Mitch, first question up. Favorite movie? Favorite movie? Oh, you really stumped me. I have two kids, so I'd have to say Frozen 2. <laughs> that's good I, I took my kids to that at the theater that was the first movie I ever took my kids to we spent the whole time in the arcade in the Tyrannosaurus Rex shooting game because they could not sit through the movie so <laughs> that's a little sore spot <laughs> I think I, th I think that's my only answer because it's the only movie I've seen probably a hundred yeah. times in the last four years yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, one book you would recommend to our listeners Mitch one book. This is a good one. Uh, there's there's so many. I'd have to say the one that I was speaking about before, 18 Summers. You can just go to 18summers.com. That actually is a great idea. Yeah, I was very intrigued when you yeah, said that earlier. Yeah, yeah. I have a nine-year-old, so I'm halfway through, I guess, already, which I'm only hearing about it now. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the, the book is actually called The Family Board Meeting. The Family Board um, Meeting. It talks okay. about how you have 18 summers to create lasting connections with your children. And the author is uh, Jim Schichel. Wow. No, I'm definitely going to look at that because I got a four and a six-year-old that uh, I got to get my, ah, just my, like me. my, my wheels going again here. I got caught back up. Favorite <laughs> yep. vacation spot. That's a good segue. Favorite vacation spot to take your kids in one of those 18 summers? Well, Hawaii is a favorite spot for those last two summers that I had them. I bought an RV and we traveled around the Pacific Northwest. I highly recommend anyone who's in the BC area, the Vancouver area, explore BC. Yeah, amazing beautiful. spots, amazing lakes, incredible. Right on. When you're cruising in that RV, what's your favorite band? My favorite band, well, or song, or song. A, or song. My favorite favorite band. Just not um, from Frozen, please. <laughs> <laughs> Elsa. <laughs> uh, I'll throw you for a loop here. I'm really vibing right now with a guy from Vernon, BC. He goes by the name of Sunreal. 
Wow. Yeah, very good. Wow. Local. Words to live by or quote? Don't ask for permission, ask for forgiveness. <laughs> you're, you're obviously married. <laughs> 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 All right, last question we got here. What is one piece of advice you would give our listeners, maybe are looking to enter the commercial real estate realm for the first time, maybe whether it be through Addy or just maybe on the outside looking in? What is one piece of advice you could give them? Invest in what you use and love and know. Great advice. Hey, that's off the top. Very good advice, great Mitch. Advice. Well, well, thanks so much for your time. And, and how can people find out more about what you guys are doing over at Addy? Yeah, uh, come visit us at addyinvest.com or send me an email at mitch at addyinvest.com. And uh, I can field questions that way or any other concerns or questions. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Mitch. We really appreciate you taking out there. Our goal with this podcast was to sort of educate the general public more on how commercial works. And you guys are obviously, you know, offering a great opportunity for people to enter that realm on an investment level that maybe otherwise they couldn't. So you guys are doing a great job over there. Thanks very much for having me, gents. Really do appreciate it. And uh, yeah, look forward to the next opportunity we get to chat. Sounds good. Thanks so much okay. for your time, Mitch. Thanks Take so care. Bye. Bye-bye. And there you have it, folks. Our interview with Mitch Jarvie of Addy. Uh, phenomenal. Yeah, that was a great phenomenal. conversation. The worst part about that was there was a timing snafu where yeah. he said, I got a hard stop at a certain time. And we basically took up we, we over ag- a half hour more. Yeah, we ignored it. Yeah. We, we yeah. just ignored it. We, but I mean, up. there was so much to talk about. I feel like we could have kept going. Well, it's such an interesting platform and opportunity they've created. And they've opened up this opportunity for people who otherwise may not be able to partake in it to get into the real estate thing. And right. one thing he makes a good point in is, you know, you're buying these hard, tangible assets like real estate and, you mean, for relatively inexpensive opportunities versus maybe buying a cryptocurrency or even like a stock. Right. This is something, and he, and you know, one thing I think resonated with me as well was he talked about the Starbucks project they did in Chilliwack and how many people in Chilliwack invested. That was kind of the, right? the really exciting thing, right? That a few different ways to involve the community in real estate investing that actually benefit the community overall, right? Yeah. Like that was one. The second was this idea of kind of engaging potential NIMBYs are not in my backyards yep. to be like, hey, yes, we need to change our community, the population, demographic changes. We need to build more housing, more commercial space. Yep. Your block's going to potentially change, but here's a way that you can actually invest in those changes and benefit. And and, it's kind and, of an interesting take. And it's interesting too how he kind of refers to it sort of like, like with Apple and obviously the iTunes platform not having to buy the whole CD and kind of you can sort of pick your investment opportunities a la carte, which is really interesting. You know, different investment opportunities, different markets, different risk factors. So you can find what you're comfortable with and go from there. I think the one thing I think we have to say is, you know, obviously we're sort of entering stage three of the COVID protocol here and we're kind of getting back to it. We can't have all your friends come into these interviews. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm <laughs> with, with your 50 I, questions from your 50. If you want to invest, just ask. <laughs> <laughs> I was channeling many different people yeah. and, and it was funny. You know, I don't, I think, you know, we just met Mitch, but I, I think he genuinely thought I was thinking, you know, is this uh, commercial real estate investment better or worse than Dogecoin? And uh, <laughs> just to be clear, I was trying to use that as a parallel in terms of, uh, you know, how, how to, what type of tax sheltering. Yeah. So, so is it fair to say, are you recommending to the listeners 
a coin that's been named after a dog. Is that your, recommend, <laughs> that your investment recommendation? I now? would go with the Starbucks myself. You'd go with the Star- I'd buy the tangible. We're real estate guys. We're always going to stick there. We're not going to deviate off of that. <laughs> that's, no matter that's, how many billions someone else makes with yeah, yeah, dog exa- coins or whatever ex- they're ex- called. Exactly. it. Uh, but before we go, Corey, what else do we have? I know you said 40% sold, but I, a yeah. lot of people have been interested in this project over in Langford, the industrial well, it's, space. It's the Vancouver Island market, period. And actually, if you look at it, the mayor came out in Victoria and just sort of just put a stamp out there like, hey, we are so under, sort of lack of better words, capitalized when it comes to delivering houses. I think it was 7,000 doors. They figure they're behind the population growth, which is just speaks volumes. And what happens is as these people move in, that creates jobs and jobs is what tails commercial real estate. So I think, you I mean, getting that, you know, as high as we did out of the gate already. And I know there's, they're fielding calls daily, it seems for, I think they had one, a call when I was talking to Connor last week or this week, sorry, that he got like one group, four offers, like we're in, like, like, yeah, like we want in. So, you I mean, it just goes to speak to the, I think the whole greater Victoria marketplace, Vancouver Island as a whole. And you know, a lot of that success in Vancouver Island isn't just Langford or Victoria, it goes up Island as well. Right. You're seeing things like in Port Hardy, Campbell River, Nanaimo, all of them. So, you mean huge population moving over. Sounds like there's a couple more episodes there. Yeah, we have to, we have to get our friend Byron Chard to come on from Chard Developments to talk about everything they're doing over there because they're doing a great job over there and it seems like their buildings are popping up or selling fast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So if people want to learn more about the island, but also about Vancouver commercial real estate or commercial real estate in BC generally, Corey, how can people find out more about what you're doing over at they can always They can always reach out to me at Corey at WilliamWright.ca. They're welcome to visit our website, WilliamWright.ca, for the latest and greatest of what's going on. And they're also welcome to call our Vancouver office anytime, 604-428-5255. And like I said, if we'll put them in touch with a broker in whatever marketplace they're in uh, throughout the province. And of course, these episodes do live over at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. They do. This is our website where all things real estate related live. Head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Get on the live wire. That's where these, yeah. at least the Langford deal, but other deals are presented to potential people that are potentially, I should say, interested in in buying real estate. That's VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. And uh, yeah, another episode in the can. I am, uh, I'm headed out of town. Yeah. So uh, off, off to Winnipeg to go I'll, scout for Addy. I'm <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it's a passion project. Yeah. Have, if you're going to Winnipeg, I think it would have to be this time of year, would it not? <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Take care. Subscribe today.